All right, guys, let's grab our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. So we keep walking through. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and now we're to the section on asking our Father to forgive us our debts. Okay, so we're asking God to forgive us our debts. We've been looking at first what our debts are so that we might, again, understand before we even get to forgiveness what it is we're being forgiven of. We need to understand the depth of our debt to understand the breadth of of his uh, forgiveness. So to do that, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's start uh, in verse 9. We'll read through verse 13, and then we'll look uh, one last time at at our debts before getting into forgiveness uh, next week. Jesus says this, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that God, you would open our ears to what you would tell us through your word, that our eyes would keenly see and understand, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that you'd give us hearts to yearn, to obey, that you would show us how we can put your text to work in our lives, uh, even if it's just in adoration uh, and praise of who you are and what you've done for us. And so, God, I pray today that we would be worshiping you, not just by being here Uh, but by in laying down our lives to you uh, and lifting up your name uh, in great praise. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're on this this idea here, this this request of uh, that the Lord is teaching us here. We've got these things that that if if prayer is asking God, then then Jesus is giving us these things. This is what you ask of him. When you ask God, when you pray, this is what you say. And he lays out these requests to bring to God. And here we are on the one of forgive us our debts. To go to God and, and to ask him to forgive us. And so we've been looking at, well, what are our debts? And, and we've been uh, seeing really the, the, the great problem of debt. So we're asking God to forgive us our debts. And we're trying to understand just how important or how big our debts are so that we can understand how big uh, forgiveness is. And so we've seen that our debt, when it says debt, that's, that's rooted, it's founded in our sin. This is debt that we have accrued because of the sinfulness of our lives. That one sin by itself in our lives would be an infinite debt. Uh, but as we saw last week, uh, it's not just one sin, right? We uh, compound debt upon debt. We sin, which is an infinite offense, and then we sin again and again and again, debt upon debt. And it's a, it's a deadly debt. We saw Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin, the, the payment, the indebtedness of sin is death. And then we saw that it's a disqualifying debt, uh, disqualifying us from being in the presence of God for even a moment, much less eternity. And then we saw that is truly, if we understand our debt, it's an unbearable debt. One that, uh, a weight that would crush us to the ground, should we understand the, the weight of it. That it would, it would prostrate us before the Lord, uh, whether we intended to be or not. Uh, so uh, that is the problem of our debt. But the other problem comes in, not just in what our debt is, but what can we do about it? 
So the problem is we've got this great debt. That's a problem in itself. We've got this infinite debt. It's unbearable. We, if we remember that passage from last week, our faces are pressed to the ground due to the, the weight of our debt. I mean, Pilgrim's Progress nailed it uh, as to what's going on with that backpack of sin weighing us uh, uh, to the ground, that burden of our, of our sin. So what do we do with this? All right, we've got this debt, and that's a problem. But the other problem that we're going to see is what we can do with that debt. And the truth is, we can't do anything about it. So we've got this great debt, and you and I cannot fix that problem. We have the problem of our debt, the problem of our sin, and we can't handle it. We can't do anything about it. And so we're going to look at how Scripture tells us there's really no way for you and I on our own to get out of the problem of our debt, of our sinfulness. And this is why we're going to need to ask God to forgive us. Because if there's another way, we don't have to come to God and say, forgive us. We can say, okay, I've got this debt. I'll do this and this and this, and I'll do this many of these and a few hail these. And then all of a sudden, everything will be taken care of and I'll be fine. But we're going to see that, that the problem of our debt can't be handled by us. So the first thing we're going to see uh, about the problem of what do I do with my debt is that our debt is an undeniable debt. It's undeniable. So we've got this weight, we've got this, uh, we've got this burden, but maybe you and I can say, well, you know, I, that's not really mine. Uh, or, you know, pretend like it's not there. Or maybe, maybe no one will notice. But when I say our debt's undeniable, I mean this. God knows you owe this debt, and so do you. God knows and you know that this debt that is hanging over you is right and true. And so, I mean, let's look, let's look at just the idea. So, so what we can't do is we can't plead, we can't plead innocence and we can't plead ignorance. Okay. So when it comes to our debt, you and I cannot plead innocence. We can't say, no, I don't know. There's no debt. Well, you know, can't just walk up to heaven and be like, things are fine. Things are great. We can't plead ignorance. We can't go, well, I didn't know anything about it. Let's talk, let's talk first about innocence. Let's talk about the, maybe, maybe we can pull the wool over God's eyes, right? Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe we'll get to heaven and God won't have noticed our sin. Maybe he won't, won't be aware of all the, because it's just little old me, little old you. I mean, how often with all this stuff he's got to do, how often can his eyes come to bags? Uh, you know, and you're like, I don't even live in bags. I live outside of bags. Uh, I mean, surely he's got a bunch of stuff to do. But the truth is our debt is this great problem and we cannot hide it from God. And that's important because realize that's really what we've been trying to do from the beginning. I mean, what, how did Adam and Eve respond to their debt, right? And they tried to hide from the presence of, the, we didn't do anything, you know, throwing the, the, the apple or apricot, depending on where you're from, you know, throwing that away to the side. And, but here's the truth and the undeniability of our debt. One is that God knows. So why is it undeniable? It's undeniable because God knows. God knows your debt. God knows what you owe. And the Bible makes a point of letting us know that God knows so that we can't go around and, well, maybe God doesn't know, so maybe this debt isn't so scary because maybe God doesn't know anything about the sins that I've done. The Bible says God knows, God knows every sin that you've done. He knows every bit of it. So, for example, Amos chapter 5, verse 12. This is God talking. And he says, for I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe, who turn aside the needy in the gate. So God comes here and says, look, 
I do know. So we're going, maybe God doesn't know. And God's coming saying, no, I know. I know, I know how many and how great. He knows both the quantity and quality of your debt. He knows how many your sins are. And he knows they're not minor things. He knows they are, it is a great debt. God knows this. So it's going to be undeniable. In fact, not only does he know it, he's got it all recorded. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 says, And you who are dead in the, your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal... So there is a, there is a record of our debt. That word, that record, is literally the word handwriting. There is a handwriting of what's... Again, think about it. Our debts aren't just recorded in some Excel spreadsheet for God somewhere for him to pull down. Our debts are handwritten by God. So our, again, our debts aren't sort of amorphously out there for God to, you know, God's not going to, when you get to heaven, God's not going to have to say, you know, look at it and go, hey, St. Peter, you know, is this, one, is this one of the good ones or something like that? Our debts handwritten by God, a record of what we have done. In other words, God knows. God knows, as, as he said in Amos, God knows everything that you've done. He knows the quantity. He knows the quality of your sin. There'll be no denying it. But, but maybe, maybe, maybe perhaps it's not God that doesn't know about it. Maybe it's that we don't really know about it. Maybe we don't understand how sinful we are. Perhaps we're ignorant to what we've done. Maybe it's just little old us and we just, you know, we're going to get up to heaven and be able to go, oh man, God, I just didn't really understand how bad I'd been. You know, like the kid pulling his thumb out of the pie or something. I don't know, one of those old stories. And there's, you know, uh, and say, oh man, I wish I, I wish I'd have known and so maybe instead of innocence, maybe we can plead ignorance. But the Bible tells us that God, God will show us not just how grievous our sin is, but God will show us that we knew about our sin. The Bible says we've got no such luck to go to heaven and be like, God, I didn't realize how sinful I was. God, I didn't realize that my life was in debt. I didn't realize that I'd done wrong. I thought I really tried and I thought I'd done great. The Bible says we know better. For example, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 12 says, not only does God know about our sin, we do too. We know about our sin. And so 59, 12, he says, for our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us for our transgressions are with us and we know our iniquity. So when God, when God pulls out that record of debt, and he shows us the, this, this handwriting of, of what we've done, we're, we're not going to be able to go, no, that's, I don't know about that one. We're going to find that God's record of our debt matches perfectly with our own knowledge of our sinfulness. There will not be a single sin written in that record that we'll be able to say, I didn't know about that. I, didn't know, I wasn't aware of that. Mm -mm, I didn't know. Got me. I don't, where are you getting that? That seems odd. You know, this isn't, it's not like the IRS where you might actually be right and they'd be wrong. Uh, this is God who knows your sin. And then the compounded on top of that is, and you know it too. 
So the problem of our debt is that this huge thing that God is aware of and that you're aware of too. So there'll be no denying it. But it's not just that we've sinned. It's that we also know the level of our debt. We know what our debt deserves. So it's not just that we're aware of our sinfulness. It's not just that we're aware that we've committed iniquities. The Bible says we also are aware that our sin deserves death. That we're aware of that. You, you look at this in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 28. We know that sin deserves death. Even some sins that we'd look at and say, oh, does that deserve death? We know that sin deserves death. So beginning of verse 28, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. Not only do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So we know, the Bible says, we know that sin is bad. And we know the debt that sin deserves. We know these things. We know that sin deserves death. That is part of what God has written on our hearts with about him and about his law. We know his righteous decree about these things. The people who do this deserve death. We know that sin deserves death. But that doesn't stop us. In fact, we actually not only continue to sin, Romans 1 warns us, we actually encourage others to sin with us. Even though we know, we know, we know the deadly, even, even, like I said, even sins like, like, yes, murder. Yes, that's deserving of death. But envy, gossip, being disobedient to parents, which right now there's only one of my kids that's still got a chance with that one. Only one of them. Not going to tell you which one, but we all know it's Shepherd. Okay, uh, being, being disobedient. I mean, that's that, those. We know. We not only know that those things are wrong. We not only know that those things are sin. The Bible says we know God's righteous. That means His just. Because remember, the word righteousness and the word just are the same word. We know God's righteous decree. His just decree is that those things deserve death. We know that. So we we can't deny our sin and we can't deny the sinfulness of our sin. We know that we've wronged God and we know that our wrong is a grievous wrong deserving of death. So when we pray, Father, forgive us, we're admitting that he knows what we've done and he knows what we deserve and so do we. And so when we're saying, Father, forgive us, we're saying, God, my debt, my sin is undeniable. Is undeniable. You know it, and I know it. You know what I deserve, and I know what I deserve. So, Father, the only thing I can say is forgive me. Forgive us. 
So again, there's there's the problem with our sin is there's absolutely no chance of denying our debt. God knows it's an undeniable debt. He knows every wicked deed you've ever done. So do you. All you're denying it would do if you did try and deny it would just be to add another sin to the list. Then it would be lying, right? So the only thing you could do is deny it, which would then be sin, which is just add. He's like, we got there, record of debt. And you go, well, I'm not sure about that. He goes, okay, so lying, you know, add that. And the record just gets bigger and bigger. But maybe, maybe in the, what's, what we need to happen is maybe if, if, if we can't plead innocence and we can't plead ignorance, Maybe our sin will in the end just be ignored by God. Maybe what will happen uh, is we'll get to heaven. We'll know about it. God will know about our sin. But maybe, just maybe, he's going to be like, I'll let it slide. You know, and be like, oh, man, that was scary for a little bit. Uh, maybe that's what's going to happen. But the truth is that's not what's going to happen. Not only is our sin undeniable, our debt is unavoidable. Meaning this, it must be paid. The debt of our sin cannot just be avoided. It must or voided. It must be paid. Why must sin be paid? Why why can't God just look past it? Because for several reasons. One, because he promised he wouldn't. So one of the reasons God will not look past your sin is because he promised he would not look past sin. For example, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. So one of the reasons sin can't just be voided or avoided uh, is because of God's promises. So this is what God says. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. God telling us about himself, telling the people about himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." So one of, the, one of the reasons sin must be paid is because God said it would be paid. Again, he's telling the people about himself. He's Yahweh. Yahweh, he's merciful. He's gracious. He's forgiving. But what does he promise he will not do? He promises he will not simply clear the guilty. In fact, he goes on to, to glory in his justice. It's one of the things that praise, like, look, one of the praiseworthy things about me, this isn't at the end saying, I'm all these great things, but I got this one foible here. I don't clear the guilty. It's a praiseworthy aspect of God. That he is a just God. He is not, and in your life, we know this. This is why, this is why we as Christians have to trust that vengeance is the Lord's and not ours, right? It's, if God wasn't a just God, then when someone wronged us, even if it's a brother or sister, we'd say, I've got to make it right, right? But if God's the one who promises to make it right, we go, God, you will not let any sin go unpunished in all of creation, ever, in the history of time. No sin will go unpunished. So one of the reasons that, that, that sin cannot be avoided, that your debt cannot just be voided out, just ignored, is that God promises he doesn't do that. So he, he promises, but it's, not, but it's not just that God promises. That's not the only reason your debt is unavoidable. God promises to take care of sin, to, to not let 
you know, not let evil simply go. Why does he promise that? Because it's, not a, it's part of his character as well. So, so it, it's, it's, it's not just that he promises it. It's part of who he is. God is just and he will always do the right thing. And letting evil go with no punishment, no correction, no debt paid is not justice. So if God did that, he would not be God. He would not be who he says that he is. So our debt is unavoidable because of God's promises. Our debt is unavoidable because of God's character. Because of who God is. So God, God can't overlook our debt. He can't overlook our sin because that's not who he is. And we, we saw this a little bit in Exodus 34, right? The passage we just looked at in Exodus 34, God is, the, 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 the promises there that he will by no means clear the guilty, but it's in, a midst, in the midst of a whole paragraph about who he is. This is just who I am. And we see the same idea continued in Scripture. For example, Nahum chapter 1 verse 3. Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. So we see this isn't just something that, that he claimed in Exodus and then just sort of forgot about or is phased out, you know, as he sort of decided to change his character a little bit. And Nahum chapter 1, verse 3 says this, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Here we see again that God's actions... The debt will be paid or rooted in his character. So he's, this debt's going to be paid because that's who God is. That's who Yahweh is. He's slow to anger. He's great in power and he doesn't clear the guilty. Job points out this same thing, this just nature of, of God's character and what it means for the punishing of sin in Job chapter 10 verse 14. Job says, if I sin, you watch me and do not acquit me of my iniquity. So when we sin, God watches and he doesn't just acquit us of our iniquity. God's just nature is, I mean, this, all of this is what is going to drive us to the cross, right? This is, this, is, this is why we need the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So Romans 3, beginning in verse 22 It says, for there's no distinction, for we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this debt is not just something, you know, that we preach about here because we're a, a very indebted community and there's other places that don't need to talk about their sin debt. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to dig through this verse a whole lot in a couple weeks whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he'd passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The cross is necessary because God is just. Our debt cannot be simply ignored. It would go against the very nature of who God is, which is why the Bible tells us this debt is unavoidable because it comes with a legal demand. And we saw this in Colossians chapter 2. See, there is, there is a legal demand 
for the payment of our debt. Look at Colossians chapter 2, down in verse 13 and 14. God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So here we've got a legal demand for the payment of our debts. There's a legal requirement. Where is that? God's character is a law unto itself. So since God in his very being can't let iniquity go unpunished, since, and since he promised he would not do that, that makes it almost like a double pledge that your sin cannot just be voided out. It cannot just be ignored. And so when we pray, forgive us our debts, one of the things we're doing is we're recognizing, we're saying we need forgiveness because there is no way for our debt to simply be voided or avoided. It's not going to happen. And so when we say, forgive us our debts, we're recognizing that God, if I carry this burden of my debt to your face, I will be damned. Every ounce of every sin I ever committed, from the murders I thought about, to the disobeying my parents that I did, to the gossip that I did, to the envy that I had, every single ounce of debt, that infinite debt, will be paid. And so, Father, my only hope is to be forgiven. Of course, forgiven in Christ. So God has promised that our sin will be paid. It's in his very character to enact justice. His law demands our debt. What's the problem with our debt? Our debt can't be denied. You and I can't deny it. We can't say, that's not my debt. That ain't my debt, man. That's my cousin's debt. We can't do that. We know that it's God knows what we owe. We know what we owe. That can't be avoided or avoided. That goes against God's character. That goes against his promises, what he said and who he is. So there's no chance that it's just going to be sort of, you know, whitewashed and everything's fine. That's not what's going to happen with your sin. But that's not it. Because maybe, maybe someone else can pay it, right? Well, that's a problem. The, prob- the reason no one else can pay it, at least not one of us, is because everyone else is in the same boat as you. So not only is our debt un- is undeniable and unavoidable, it's non-transferable. It cannot be paid by someone just as broken as you and I. So for example, you can't, transfer your debt to sheep and goats right you can't give it to bulls and goats and say all right i owe this debt the sheep is going to pay you so call it good uh the bible tells us this romans or sorry hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 tells us what it's impossible for bulls and goats the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin I mean, the the reason bulls and goats and sheep and pigeons and all those things can't take away sin is they're not people. No matter how much, you know, you want to pretend like your fur babies are, they're not actually people. And so they cannot bear the debt for a person. A a murderer couldn't, I mean, a murderer couldn't say like, okay, I know, I know I'm supposed to be executed for my crime. And you're right. What you said is just, I did commit murder. I cannot deny it. You know it. I know it. I know it can't be avoided. So in light of that, I've brought my cat, Mr. Tinkles, uh, and he is going to bear my debt for me. 
uh, or, you know, or even a bull or a thousand rams uh, or 10,000 oxen that would not pay because that is not a person. That is not an image bearer of this. So in the, in the same way, we could not, it would be unjust to do that. In the same way, we couldn't put the sins uh, of us or the sins of all people uh, on the head of, of, of a goat or a bull. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So it can't be paid by a sheep or a goat or a bull. I want you guys to recognize that. I don't want anyone new to be wonder what's going to happen here on the altar. Uh, it's, there's a reason that that, that doesn't happen. Uh, and we'll talk about another reason why it doesn't happen uh, in a couple of weeks. But it can't be taken away by sheep and goats. And it can't be taken away by people, at, at least not by sinful people. Right? That's the problem. It can, I can't give my debt to Jerry. Why? Because Jerry has a debt. And as we all know, it's probably a pretty big one. Uh, so, so Jerry's got it. We all, he's like, we do know. We just talked about this. So as we're looking around, we're all going, you, everyone here has a really big debt. I'm not sure I should be friends with these people because uh, their debt's as big as mine. Uh, so as we're, as we're recognizing, why can I not give my debt to one of you or to anybody else like us? Because you are just as indebted as me. So Hebrews chapter 10 goes on to say, after saying in verse 4 that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, goes on to tell us in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11, it says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Now, now why can't the sacrifices of these priests take away sin? Well, Hebrews 5, 3 tells us because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. So in other words, you can't give it to anyone. You can't even give it to the priests among the people. Why? Because they've got sins just like you. And they would have to be offering continually, nonstop for an infinite amount of time to deal with their own sins and offering it on the bulls of, uh, or the blood of bulls and goats that he just talked about that it already doesn't take away sins. So when we pray, forgive us our debts, we're recognizing that our debt is a problem that none of us can pay for each other. That I can't think I'm going to get to heaven because I got a really good mama. Or I'm going to get to heaven because my wife is very godly. Or I'm going to get to heaven because for whatever other reason, placing that hope in anybody else. And so maybe they have some sort of quasi treasury of merit themselves so that they're going to get me in because they're really good. And that's going to take care of what I got. The Bible says you can't do that. It's undeniable. You know that you've sinned. Yeah, I know that I've sinned. It's unavoidable. You're going to pay that. Yeah, I know I'm going to pay it. I know it's got to be paid. But can I give it to them? It's non-transferable. You can't give it to them. Why? Because they've got their own debt. They've got their own debt. Of course, the answer we know is we need someone to come and take our debt who does not have their own debt themselves. And so when we pray that, we say, Father, forgive us of our sins. We're, we're recognizing that no one can take my sin who's just as indebted as I am. We need someone who is guiltless to pave the way for the guilty And our joy is that that is indeed what we have in Christ. So our debt is undeniable. It's unavoidable. It's not transferable. And you know it. 
I know it. There's no getting around it. No one else can take it. Nothing else can take it from you. You can't give it to a, a bull. You can't give it to a thousand bulls. You can't give it to, you know, you can't ask your, your best friends to sort of divvy it up amongst themselves and maybe each of them take a little bit. I mean, they've all got their own debt. Which leaves us with one option. Run. Run. Meaning this, maybe you and I can escape our debt somehow. Maybe we'll live our lives filled with an infinite debt and somehow end up dying in peace and going to a better place, you know, by some luck. But here's the problem with this debt. It is inescapable. It is an inescapable debt that we owe. People have certainly tried to escape the debt that we owe. We've tried to hide from the Lord. We've tried to hide it and and hope for the best. We've tried to run. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord. After Adam and Eve sinned, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord uh, among the trees of the garden. I I mean, what did they think would happen? I mean, this is, this is, I mean, God created them. God created the trees they're hiding behind. He created the ground they're standing on. But Adam and Eve are not an anomaly. The Bible says the wicked have often been hoping to just escape the fate that they know they deserve. So Psalm 94, beginning of verses 1 through 7. Look at what it says. It says, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say... The Lord does not see. The Lord does not perceive. So the only way that the wicked would ever think about sinning ever, I mean, besides just the sheer foolishness of it, is to think that maybe God's not seeing what we're doing. Maybe he doesn't perceive it. Maybe he doesn't know what we're doing. We see, again, the same thing in Job. Job 22, 12 through 14. It asks, is not God high in the heaven? See the highest stars, how lofty they are. But you say, what does God know? Can he judge through the deep darkness? Thick clouds veil him so that he doesn't see. He walks on the vault of heaven. So the idea there is that we're looking going, well, God's not looking at me. He's got too much to do. He can't see little old me, but the truth is our debt is not able to be escaped. So listen to David's words in Psalm 139. You and I, God isn't, God is going to see. So Psalm 139, beginning in verse 7, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. It's impossible to get away from God. It's impo- it'd be impossible to flee from God. You can't hide in the heavens. You can't hide in the grave. If you had wings and could fly far away and then dive down in the deepest parts of the earth, 
Not only would you not have lost God, he says, when you do that, so he's like, I go to the heavens, you're there. I go to the, the grave, you're there. Even if I take wings of the morning and, and, and go in the deepest parts of the earth, even there, what? Your hand leads me. Your right hand holds me. So we're, 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 if, even if we tried to flee, we would flee and run, get as far away as we could and turn around and say, where is he? And we'd say, what's that on my hand? And we'd look and we'd get his hand. He would be leading us, his right hand holding us. There's no fleeing from the Lord. There's no hiding from God. The reason people feel they can escape God is because he's so far away, right? I mean, that's what Job said, Job 22. He's, he's in the heavens. Look at how far away the stars are, right? Look how far away the stars are. He's beyond the, he's beyond the stars. Surely, surely the, they're like the, the clouds are going to veil him. I like, like maybe, so it's better to sin on a cloudy day. Uh, it's like the clouds are going to veil him. So do it now. Maybe in the darkness, do it then. Psalm 94, as it said, you know, he's not going to see. Surely he's not going to see. What does, the, what does God say about the idea that maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to escape his sight? What does he say about that? Look at Jeremiah 23, verses 3 and 4. He says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in the secret places that I cannot see him? declares the Lord, do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So God isn't just in the heavens. God fills the earth. This is one of the clearest examples of God's omnipresence in Scripture. It's a great passage to remember and throw in your little systematic theologies. God is everywhere, which means if God fills heaven and fills earth, it means... There is nowhere that you're sinning in secret and nowhere that you can hide from him the debt that you owe and the deeds that brought it. And there will be no escaping the recompense. None. Because wherever you would go, he is there. He fills heaven and he fills earth. Remember how Psalm 94, we saw it talked about God not seeing. Remember that's what you do all these evil deeds and you say, he surely isn't going to see. Well, look at how the rest of Psalm 94 finishes. Psalm 94 down in verse 8. So after saying all that about, you know, we do all these things, we're doing all this wickedness. And they say, the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob does not perceive. What's the very next thing it says, beginning in verse 8? Understand, O dullest of the people which is how I'm going to start writing on Facebook. Uh, understand, oh, dullest of the people. Uh, and then I can be like, I was just quoting scripture. Uh, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, Does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. I mean, you don't think God sees what you've done? You don't don't think he knows? You think you're going to get away with it? Like you're some sort of cosmic cat burglar of sin? 
God says to think that, to think that God doesn't see, to think that you're going to escape, which is what these people were thinking. I'm doing this and doing that. God's not going to see. I'm going to get away with it. I'm going to have my debt and everything's still going to be fine. God says to think, to think that you're going to escape, you have got to be the dumbest person on earth. That's what God says. God comes to him and says, Oh, understand, oh, dullest of the people. You have got to be an utter fool, he says. He made the ear. You don't think he can hear? He made the eye. You don't think he can see? He disciplines the nations. You think he can't discipline you? He brings down nations for their sins. He crumbles peoples that the armies of the earth could not stand against. And by the mere breath of his word, they die. They perish. They are consumed, sometimes turning upon one another. And you think he can't stop you? He teaches mankind. And what is his one lesson? Your life is a breath. And it is over, as Zachary read, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. You think you can escape? Disciplined. You think think God doesn't see? You think you're going to make it through your life with your debt and everything's going to be fine? And you come face to face with all your debt in front of the God who saw all of it and who has a record of all of it. When we pray, Father, forgive us our sins, we're crying out in desperation. We're admitting that we owe what is coming for us and that there is nothing we can do about it. You and I owe a debt. We owe an infinite debt. We know an infinite debt that is compounded by our constantly adding to it. A debt that will and has killed us and will accept nothing short of our eternal death. A debt that disqualifies us from being in the presence of God for even a moment, much less an eternity. It is an absolutely unbearable debt, one that crushes us to the ground and there is nothing we can do about it on our own. There's no denying it. There's no avoiding it. There's no transferring it. There's no escaping it. The only thing we can say, Father, forgive us our debts. Let's pray. Let's take a moment. I mean, the Lord is, is heavy. In it. Let's, one, let's not be, as we're, as we're taking a moment to respond to God's word, like Zachary prayed that, that we would do. And like we prayed before we be, God, we don't just, we just want to see and we don't just want to be here. We want to hear your word and we want hearts that respond to it. We don't want God to lay out just how great our debt is and the inescapableness of it and our hearts to not be moved at all. To even say, God, I didn't even realize, like, even, as, even as believers are saying, God, I am understanding even more today just how much my debt was that you bore, that you forgave them. Understanding, God, the, the great joy and the unspeakable grace that is, that is found in Christ, that that debt, that that debt could be forgiven. 
Maybe you just need to take a moment, even just as a believer, to say, God, forgive me for even being a Christian for, for however long and not realizing just how great my debt was. Maybe even downplaying your debt, forgetting it. I mean, in the, because of the blessed state of our holiness in Christ now, maybe forgetting the debt that we owed. See the, the massive nature of our debt. So that when we come next week and we start talking about forgiveness, you can say, oh, how great is my redemption in Christ Jesus. My sins have been paid. How did Christ, what is the sacrifice of Christ that he could pay my debt, much less the debt of all his people? How can that be? But if we don't realize how indebted we are, if we do not see the weight of our sin for what it is, then we will never see Christ for who he is. So Christian, do you realize how inescapable your debt was? I mean, we would be, we would be hopeless. And if the father had not sent his own son to die for our sins, to purchase our forgiveness, then without a doubt, we would be paying our debt for eternity. And with that, as we prayed this morning, one of the things we need to consider is the inescapable debt of anyone without Christ. I want to see the great debt that I owed, but we also need to see the great debt owed by those around us, including those that we love. We need to be weighted down with their situation so that we might bring to them the only remedy they can find. We must bring to them the hope of Jesus Christ because with the truth is sometimes we're acting as if these people are going to find another way out. They're denying Christ. They have no desire to worship him. They're living in sin. But, but we're not living in the desperation that says they have one hope. They can't. They're not going to escape their debt unless they come to Christ, unless they cry out to him, unless they call upon his name. They shall not be saved from this debt that, they're, uh, that they've got, that they're accruing, that they're, they're building. Is, is your life... And, and the way that you're, that you're not pleading to them, to their faces, saying, come to Christ, it's your only hope. Or the fact that you're not pleading to the Lord on their behalf. Is it showing that you're acting as if you don't think their debt is really coming? Are you encouraging their foolishness by your lack of desperation on their behalf? Are you telling the people across the street that Christ is their only hope, but then acting as if their life is just going to continue on as normal, no reason to be afraid? Are you encouraging them to be the, the dumbest of all peoples? Are you encouraging their foolishness by acting yourself as if somehow they might, they might be okay? Because you don't live desperately to plead for them to turn to Christ. Because he's their only hope. 
And if you believed that they really had that debt hanging over them, and if you believed that, that their only hope was Christ, and, that you, and if you believed, as the Lord says, that you need to learn, O oh, 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 foolish of the earth, is that your life is but a breath. If you believe that their, their life is but a breath and they're at least halfway through their exhale, then you would plead with them to be reconciled to Christ. You would plead with your friends. You'd plead with your family. Till it drove them to Christ or it drove them away. The gospel is their only hope. They need to hear it. And you, you have got to believe it's their only hope as well. And some of us need to repent of acting like it's not their only hope. Some of us need to repent of thinking, well, maybe they're going to get in because I'll be a good enough friend. Or maybe they're going to get in because I'll be a good enough daughter. Or maybe they're going to get in because I'll be a good enough father. Their only hope is Christ. And we can't forget that either. If we forget it, then it's not crazy if they forget it. We're the witnesses given the ministry of reconciliation on their behalf to, to proclaim to them, be reconciled to God through Christ. We've got to see our debt and we've got to see theirs. And if we do, the good thing is in both, in both ways, we'll run to Christ. We'll rejoice in Christ because he paid our debt and he is the only one who can pay theirs. So run to Christ. Worship him. Thank him that you do have hope for your friends. You do have hope for your family. You do have hope for your neighbors. You have hope for yourself. All because of the forgiveness that is found from your father in Christ Jesus. Father, we do come to you today, our Father, and we ask you to forgive our sins. And we, as we say that, when we say forgive our debts, we realize what we're asking. And we know it would be silly, it would be foolish of us to think that we could ever be forgiven this amount. But we know that, that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just, just to forgive us our sins. Because Christ has paid them. Our debt has been paid in full by him. And so we ask you to forgive us in confidence, not in confidence in ourselves, not in confidence that you won't know or that we're not, uh, we're not sinners, but confidence of who Christ is and what he's done. And we ask that same confidence would, would cause us to proclaim that hope to others in this world who bear that unbearable debt. We pray, Father, that you would drive their faces to the ground so that we might come to them and tell them the hope found in Jesus Christ, that we might lift their heads and point them to the cross. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.